0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Uh, today we're still we are still we started this last summer, I think, and we are still on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we probably got another year to go <laughs> before we get through it all. There are several more messages in this, I think. Uh, but today we're going to talk about prayer and specifically about the the Lord's what is known as the Lord's prayer. Uh, and the title of this message is "Talking to Your Heavenly Father." And uh, last last time I preached, I won't say last Sunday because I wasn't here. Uh, we talked about giving and praying and fasting and how the Lord rewards you privately when you do those things. So we're looking in Matthew chapter six. If you want to turn there, um, and uh, we'll eventually get to get there eventually, but we looked at giving, how t- the Lord talked about giving. Jesus talked about giving, and give, don't let your left hand do what your right hand is doing and giving in private. Uh, talked about praying in your closet, and then talk, also talked about fasting, and so not looking like the uh, Sadducees and the Pharisees looked like when they fast, when they look distraught, so people could know that they were fasting. He we said, hey, wash your face. Don't look like the world, like the world looks when they're fasting, and they want everyone to know that they're fasting. But Do that privately, and he will reward you publicly for giving, praying, and fasting privately. So today we're going to talk specifically about prayer, and we'll get to uh, what Matthew says in the the Lord's Prayer, specifically in a minute, or what is titled the Lord's Prayer. Um, But we're going to look at prayer in general, and then we're going to specifically look at the Lord's Prayer as a model or template. So what, you know, so much comes to mind maybe when you think about prayer, Uh, your own prayer life or lack thereof. Um, uh, Maybe you're praying a whole lot. Maybe you don't pray a lot. How you pray, you may take that into consideration. How you pray, do you pray kneeling down with your hands clasped? Do you pray pray standing up? Where do you pray? Do you pray at home? Do you pray in your car? Do you pray at school? Um, You can do all those things, all the above. So uh, initially we'll look at Ephesians 6:18. So we're going to look at several different verses eventually uh, right now, and then we're going to get into uh, Matthew 6. But pray all the time with all types of prayers. So that's the first thing. When we think about prayer, pray all the time and pray all types of prayers. Ephesians 6:18 specifically says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep, in, keep on praying for all of the Lord's people pray all the time on all occasions everywhere. so if you want to pray David prayed in the field Peter prayed uh, on the water and under the water <laughs> Paul and Silas prayed in the prison Jonah prayed in the belly of a great fish Daniel prayed in the lion's den. Uh, so wherever you are and wherever you see the need to uh, commit to praying, please pray. Specifically, Daniel, um, I'm just going to look at that for a minute because I was studying that. And this is not, this is just a little nugget, a side nugget to what we were talking about. Uh, But Daniel, you know, Daniel was uh, a man of great character and uh, his uh, cohorts, or counterparts, didn't like him because he was a man of great character. And they looked to tear him down. And so they couldn't find anything against him. They said, hey, This man is not going to do anything wrong. He has no skeletons in the the closet. We can't find anything to go against Daniel. And so what they did was they plead to the king and said, hey, we know that he prays, Daniel prays three times a day. Let's plead to the king to make the king make a decree that anyone who prays to anyone besides the king, uh, he will kill, you know, he will uh, deal with. And so they convinced the king to make this decree. And Daniel heard this decree. And it, it just stood out to me, so looking at Daniel pray. So in Daniel six ten, it says, So after Daniel had heard that this decree was made, that he should not uh, that no one you should not pray to anyone but the king, Daniel six and ten says, Now Daniel learned that the decree had been published. He went home to his upstairs room and closed the door and got in his closet and prayed that the Lord would change the laws of that land. Is that what it reads? Maybe I'm reading a different version. <laughs> it doesn't say that, does it? <laughs> it says, Daniel went and learned of the decree that had been published. He went home in his upstairs room with the windows open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed. And what did he pray? He didn't pray that he would change the law, that there would be some political uprising that would overthrow the king. He gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. Did you get that? There was a law that forbade exactly what he was doing, but he was not afraid to do it because he realized God was sovereign. He realized God was in control, and he had no fear. In real, when you When your faith is in God and not in this worldly system, whatever the worldly system does doesn't concern what your God is in control of. So he didn't pray that the king would change the law. Did he? Even though that could be a good prayer, we will will be okay with that. He didn't close his door and go in his closet and pray and say, let me pray secretly so that no one would see me. No, he did just as he had done many times before because he was willing to deal with the consequences because he knew God was in control. So he said, if God made this law and God knows that I'm going to pray three times a day, and then if I'm going to pray and I'm not going to change, I haven't, God hasn't told me to stop praying three times a day with my windows open. So God is going to deal with me however he deals with me with the consequences that the king has set forth. That's belief in God, not in the king. He, he had trust in God to know, hey, whatever happens is going to be on God. And just like the Hebrew boys and, uh, uh, went into the fire, they said, hey, if this is our time to go into fire and it burns us up, We will go gladly because we won't bow to what you tell us to do. But if we go in and get us out, we know that our God is still in control. Either way, we win. And that's the way Daniel believed. Either way, I'm going to win. I'm going to pray because I'm supposed to. That's what God has told me to do. And if there is consequences due to that, then I win because I did what the Lord told me to do. That's a side nugget. (laughs) You can take that later. You can take that and put that and save it for later. Later on, because uh, ultimately God is sovereign. He's in control. And when you have a prayer life, you begin to realize how much God is in control, and you're not concerned about the world and the world system as much. Prayer keeps us from temptation. Uh, Matthew 26, 41 says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Prayer can change your situation, it can change the situation of those around you, and it can change the situation of those who are working against you. <laughs> Acts 16:25, Paul and Silas was praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains became loose. Now that's some praying and singing right there, y'all. <laughs> can we tap into that? That it just not affected Paul and Silas. It would be one thing if because they were praying and singing, it would be one thing if the chain their chains came off and their door, the door to their prison cell open. And we will be okay with that, right? But God is so great, much greater than that, right? <laughs> he said your prayer and praise can not only change your situation but the situation of everyone around you. And then we go on and see that the prison guard who was working against them changed his situation. He said, ran in, said, what must I do to be saved? Told Paul and Silas to come to his house, save his whole household. That's some prayer and thanksgiving right there. It can change your situation, those around you, and those working against you. That's what prayer can do. prayer gives us the ability to obtain mercy and find grace James fourteen James uh, verse fourteen and sixteen through, verse fourteen through sixteen I think it's chapter three what is it what do they have up there? I think four no I want something else in uh, It says seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, least us least Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our affirmatives, but we in all points have been tempted like we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. I'm I'm doing something different. (laughs) Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So let us come boldly, saying we come in boldly and with prayer. To the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So prayer helps us obtain mercy and find grace. We pray because Jesus tells us to pray, right? <laughs> Luke 18.1 says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And this is important because he does not say always pray, but it also says not give up. He gives his parable And I'm not going to go into the details of it, but it was a woman who uh, kept going to a judge to grant me justice against her adversary. And she kept going, and then the judge uh, decided to give in to this woman because he was annoyed by her. And and the parable is, well, how much more, if you continue to uh, (laughs) go to God who loves you and has your best interest at heart, how much more would he do for you and, and grant you justice if you continue to go to him. You can go to an unjust judge and he will eventually do what he do what you want you to do follow through uh, on his uh job duties. So how much more does God do that for us if we continue and be persevering in our prayer? Uh we get things from God via prayer, right? It's not only the only way we get benefits, but we do. James four says uh, from whence come wars and fightings among you come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members ye lust and ye have not ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain ye fight and war yet ye have not because you ask not so we pray because we're asking for things maybe tangible things maybe spiritual things i need Things <laughs> I need them all, <laughs> definitely the spiritual. Um, but we pray, and God grants our requests sometimes <laughs> if he, he thinks that we need it. Uh, if we have, if we come with the right motives, even in this, it says, "You ask and you receive not, because you ask amiss, uh, that you may consume it upon your own lust." That's verse three. And um, so, yeah, so sometimes we ask for God to intervene on our behalf via prayer. And he sometimes does that. Prayer helps us not to worry. So there's a saying that says, if you pray, don't worry. If you're going to worry, don't pray. <laughs> so if you're going to worry, don't need to pray. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful or anxious for nothing. That anxious means to be torn into different directions, to be divided, to be pulled apart. for sinful anxiety, uh, be anxious for nothing. Uh, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all our understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. And that peace shall guard your heart. So it's like a Roman soldier guarding your heart against those darts that will come against you, that will fight up against you and make you worry. Those worry darts, you know, they come at night sometimes to keep you up. Or they come at day sometimes and gets you off of what you're supposed to be doing. Those darts, that peace guard, is guarding your heart. Uh, that Holy Spirit is guarding your heart. When you pray and give it to him, that's what he wants you to do. Just give it to him. He will take care of it. And like Daniel, if you believe he's going to take care of it, you're not worried about the consequences of it. Um, he's going to take care of it. Pray. Prayer is how we communicate to God and God to us, uh, one of the ways he can, we can communicate to God and God communicates to us. Uh, Matthew ten twenty seven says, "What I tell you in darkness, or in your prayer closet, that ye speak in light, and when you hear it in your ear, preach upon the preach it upon the housetops." And then in Second Chronicles seven fourteen and fifteen, uh, we all have heard this before. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, I love 15. <laughs> this reminds me of the Fred Hammond song, right? <laughs> uh, now my eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. That's good. When you have the eyes of God and the ears of God, attempt because of your prayer, you can best believe He's going to act on it. Praise the Lord. So, those are all things that uh, that prayer. I don't know how many I didn't number them. Uh, that you know we glean from prayer. Uh, there may be many more th- uh, other things you glean from prayer. But now we're going to look at our the template, the Lord's Prayer, uh, in Matthew six, nine through fifteen. And then also can be found in Luke 11, 1 through 5. And it's called the Lord's Prayer, but it's really, you know, it's titled the Lord's Prayer, but it's not really the prayer that the Lord actually has to. It's a template for us. He gave us a model. Because the Lord's Prayer, to me, would really be John 17. If you read John 17, you could do that at your leisure. That is Jesus' prayer that only he can pray. That's his prayer. He can pray that. He prayed it, too. It's a good prayer. (laughs) Uh, John 17 but this is titled the Lord's Prayer but this is just a template for us to follow and it says in uh, starting in verse 9 after this manner therefore pray ye our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom of and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then I love 14 and 15 of this. It says, for if you for, if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not their trespasses, neither will you have your father forgive your trespasses. So this is good. Um, and we're going to look at, we're going to unpack that a little bit more a little bit later. Uh, because sometimes... Uh, I think that can be misleading to think that the Lord will not forgive you. Uh, but the Lord said he's, he will forgive us uh, in 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 the onset of salvation. But I think this means something different. We'll look at that a little bit later. Also Luke 11, 1 through 5, and it says, And it came to pass that he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto them, Lord, teach us to pray, as John had taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as done as, in, as is in heaven, so in earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and lead us unto not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So that's Luke 11, 1 through 5. Similar a little bit different towards the end, but similar uh, in that it is considered the Lord's prayer. And so this is the template. So it gives us this introduction on how we, this template on how we should approach the Lord in prayer. So one is what I gleaned from this is that uh, we are a part of God and we, and he is our father. And so that, that uh, ascribes personal relationship uh, um, I don't know this young man, but I would not call him my father, <laughs> So, because I don't know him. So that would be inappropriate, inaccurate. Uh, but if I'm going to call someone father, that, that would mean that I would have a personal relationship with this individual. And even if they're not my earthly father, because like my earthly fa- father has passed, uh, there may be individuals in my life that I consider fa- father figures. That, that would be because I have a relationship with them, and therefore I would consider them a father. Just as in this, the uh, assumption is that you're going to have a relationship with God and you can call him father. He is your heavenly father, right? So, th- so Jesus is saying, hey, approach him as if you are, we are his children. You know, Jesus is our brother. <laughs> we are his children. And he is our father. And I, and I just can't, let, let's... Think about that now. The God of the universe, who's in control of everything, wants you to call him father. means that he wants a relationship with you that is so close, maybe close like your earthly father, if you have a close relationship with your earthly father, but even if not, he desires you to call him father. That's deep, y'all. <laughs> that, that, that means um, that, uh, you know, even, so if my earthly father was a great father, and I had a good father, he wasn't great, he was good, um, but if my other earthly father was good, how great of a father is our heavenly father who controls everything, who, who is perfect, who, who loves us, who has compassion for us, who has our best interest at heart, and he's one, and he's sitting waiting for you to call him father, so that he can act on your behalf. And if you did that for your earthly father, because I know my my kids know how to play me, and I know I'm being played, but I love them so, so I go with it. Especially my daughter; she knows, you know, she bat her little eyes, and that she don't even bat. I send me a text that says, Dad, I need some money. I got you. Where you what how much you need. <laughs> I'm gonna I don't do cash out, so I'll PayPal you because Cash Out scammed me once. Um, <laughs> uh, but hey, you need cash, I'll give it to you. Because that's my child. And I don't want her to ever be without or ever lacking or, or if she's in need, I want to be able to meet that need. And if I wanna do that for my earthy child, who sometimes does get on my nerves, Um, both of them, (laughs) that how much more does our Heavenly Father want to meet our needs? Or is is listening to us when we are calling on him and wanting to respond because he has compassion for us and he loves us. And he sent his son to die for us. Our Father, which are in heaven, Means that he is in control in heaven and he is in control of this universe. And heaven is the power and position, all powerful, all knowing God of the universe is in heaven and he is waiting to answer our prayers. Um, our Father, let's look at, I did, uh, I'm going to skip over some of this. Isaiah 63 and 16, it says, uh, But you are our Father. Or Abraham does not know us or Israel acknowledges us, you, Lord, are our father, our redeemer, from of old is your name. You are our father. In Psalms 103 and 13, it says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we were dust. Uh, that life of mortals is like like grass that flourishes like a flower in the field, and the wind blows over it and it is gone. And in its place remembers it. In its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him, with His children. His righteousness with their children's children, from those who keep His commandments and remember to obey His precepts. He is our heavenly Father. So the first, three, um, the first three things that we can break up in uh, the Lord's Prayer is concerning God, and then it goes to the three things that concern us. Uh, so if you want to look at it as a two-part, two parts, the Lord's Prayer is breaking into two, broken up into two parts. The first part is concerning God, and the second part is concerning us. So after the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, uh, we pray Uh, First, we pray to God's reverence. So, hallowed be thy name, that God is holy. We we reverence him. We consider him holy. uh, And that is God's character. He is holy. He can't be anything but holy. Uh, Thy kingdom come. It means that we pray that God's rule and kingdom come to this earth. And then God's will, thy will be done. Your will be done. Pray for obedience of God's commandments here on earth. So God's will being done on earth is us being obedient to what he tells us to do, right? That is his will being done. So it's not necessarily thy kingdom come. It's his kingdom come to earth. But thy will be done, meaning that I can uh, facilitate God's will being done on earth by being obedient to what he tells me to do. So that I will be done uh, on earth as it is in heaven. So those are the three things we're giving God the glory. We're, we're pointing towards God. And then hey, here's a template. And so here is where we may, uh, um, sometimes maybe we say, Our Father, which art in heaven, uh, how, we don't, maybe we don't even do Hallowed Be Thy Name. Maybe we say, Our Father, which art in heaven, and then, uh, give us this day our daily bread. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? <laughs> we jump right to my, our needs. Our Father, which art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. So, this meets our physical needs. So now we're going to go through the three things that meet our physical needs, the, man, the needs of men. So our daily bread is sy- symbolic of, uh, is, and is necessary to sustain life. So we need daily to eat to sustain life. And that is daily. So, you're not praying for excess. He said, don't pray for uh, this week's bread, or this month's bread, or this year's bread. It's pray for it daily. Because he wants you to be dependent on him when? Every day. All the time. So we're calling on him to give us daily bread, and we're needful of that. And daily bread um, can be in the physical, but also in the spiritual, meaning that we need spiritual food. this daily bread to eat to sustain us. This is life. This gives us life. So one, uh, the, the, the first part of the second part, the first thing of the second part, is our daily bread. Uh, the second thing is forgiveness, which is really good, um, and we, we talked about forgiveness before uh, in the beat, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to look at it again later, I think. Uh, but this forgiveness, this is important. It says uh, pray for forgiveness for your sins that you've committed, but then also pray, uh, forgive those who have sinned against you. And we talked about that, how if someone has sinned against you, it says leave your gift at the altar and go and get it right. It's so important. Forgiveness is so important. He talks about it again. I think he's going to talk about it again. Uh, so this will be three times in one sermon that he's talking about forgiveness. But initially we said, you know, forgiveness was so important that if you came to the altar you need, and you thought that someone had an odd against you, you were to leave your gift and go get it right with your brother and sister and then come back to the altar. That, that's how important it was. And then it's been even more important now because he talks about, hey, uh, forgive those. If you, I, As I forgive you, you need to forgive those. And the assumption is that you're going to forgive. That, that is the assumption, that you are going to walk in forgiveness, that you are going to not hold grudge. And, a grudge. And it's so funny. I was looking at a video, and a guy said, you know, we can hold a grudge right at church. <laughs> Hey, well, if you don't know what that person did to me and you're uh, right in the middle of praise and worship and shoot them a mean look and, you know, be like, that's them. And they did such and such to me or they didn't speak to me last Sunday. And, you know, I'm going to hold a grudge and give them an evil look while you're in praise and worship. Does that make sense? Come on. <laughs> the God of forgiveness that we're worshiping. <laughs> and now you're holding on to something. Uh, come on, let's forgive. Uh, Jesus assumes that we have uh, that if we have been forgiven that we will forgive others 1 uh, john one nine says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and there is no but if there's no it's not a no but but if and unless this happens neither uh, so this is where we're going to look at forgiveness. and We talked about uh, in verses 14 and 15 where it says, uh, we can go back where it says, hey, if you're if you expecting forgiveness, you need to forgive others. God will not forgive you if you don't forgive others. I think we need to look at this and unpack this a little bit because I don't want this to be confused with salvation because you would, some, somebody think, hey, if God is not going to for, I, it's, it's the onus is on me to do this work before God forgives me. And that is not God. It's not a works thing. Uh, he died on the cross for our sins. You don't have to work to do anything for salvation. There is no work. You're not, he's not expecting you at that point to say, well, now you need to forgive if you want to get my forgiveness. That's not what he's talking about. But he's talking about specifically in prayer. So when you pray, because at this point, I'm assuming you've already accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've committed your life to him and you're in prayer, that when you confess your sin to him, if he, you want him to forgive you of your sins, which I think he will, but he wants you, the requirement is that you forgive others. And I think that if you are truly in tune, uh, truly committed to a prayer life, that you will have to forgive others. There's no way when you realize the crap that God has forgiven you of. Come on. Maybe it's only me. And I'm preaching myself now. <laughs> that he continues to forgive me of. Then you, you realize, you realize that the debt that others owe you, it is, it is the onus, it's on you to forgive. I can't do anything but forgive you, brother and sister in Christ. I know it, you're, you're surprised that I'm willing to forgive you, but I have a God who has forgiven me of everything and continues to forgive me. Um, and even in Matthew, uh, in the later verses, talks about forgiveness and talking about uh, complete forgiveness, seven times seven. How often, how many times do you, if a brother sins against you, seven times seven, you're like, come on, how many times is that? You know, <laughs> and it, it doesn't matter. He, if I do it a thousand times, the Lord is going to forgive me. And he requires and wants the same from you because he lives in you. Your life has changed because of him, and he has forgiven you, and he will continue to forgive you. So just listen to forgiveness is serious. And I think forgiveness, uh, and this is not what I was going to go into but in my study, and forgiveness uh, is one of the things, unforgiveness is one of the things that they say can hinder your prayers. So, you know, if your prayers are hitting the ceiling and bouncing back down on you and not being answered, or falling to the floor. They don't even go up. They just go down like that. Uh, <laughs> check some unforgiveness. Look, you know, check and see if there's unforgiveness in your heart. Are there some people that you need to forgive? Are there some issues in your life that you need to let go and let God? <laughs> but uh, don't allow that unforgiveness to to fester and turn into bitterness. It turns into all kinds of confusion and the evilness and then you're, you're left wondering why your gift isn't being blessed um, that unforgiveness and we talked about this before and it's not just a, unforgiveness, a forgiveness that hey I'm going to forgive you but keep my distance no <laughs> that, that's not what it is <laughs> because he said you know when he talked about uh, when someone hits you on one cheek, you turn the other cheek, and and the truth is, when when they greeted you uh, as a greeting, sometimes they would kiss you, they would do the side kiss, the French thing they do sometimes. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and he said, hey, that was a sign of friendship that you know we were friends. If I if I greeted you that way, and he said, to turn the other cheek would mean that hey, I'm greeting you just as if we were friends. I'm not treating you any different from my other friends. Uh, from anyone else. I'm going to treat you the same. Now, I don't have to, uh, I'm not saying that you should, um, allow yourself to be mistreated or be subjugated to something that's abusive or anything like that. No, but you can forgive a person. You could, you don't have to talk ill about a person. You don't have to wish them ill. You don't have to wish them death because sometimes we do that as well. Um, (laughs) Um, you don't have to wish them sickness, but you can say, "I wish you health," and you go in peace and God speed. And if I see you, I will greet you. I don't have to live with you. <laughs> I don't have to subjugate uh, myself to be abuse that you may still harbor or, or still want to do. But I can forgive you and move on, because uh, sometimes people I read or read, uh, heard that unforgiveness is like a person eating rat poison, thinking they're going to kill the rat. Them eating the rat poison, thinking they're gonna kill the rat. Well, if you eat the rat poison, you're gonna die, right? And that unforgiveness will kill you. And that person may not even know. They're going about their life. They're living in peace and prosperity, and you're harboring unforgiveness, and you're in it. You're up at night, and you gotta ulcer because you're so angry about <laughs> X, Y, and Z, and they don't even know they did anything to you. Let's not eat the rat poison. Please, Jesus. <laughs> Let's forgive. Uh, so, we looked at um, needing God to provide our daily bread, forgiveness, and then uh, spiritual victory, which means we're praying for deliverance to uh, keep us from uh, temptation, deliver us from all evil. Uh, that was the third thing. So, the three things He's going to provide for us daily. Uh, we're going to forgive those because we've been forgiven and he's going to keep us and, and not tempt us and avoid situations that will lead us astray. Um, and some of that, God has given us the power to overcome this world, right? Y'all believe that, right? Yeah. <laughs> some of y'all are questioning, like, I don't know. The world has overcome me so many times. Uh, but we need God's power to overcome the Satan uh, and you can't make it on your own. And so, in our prayer, we need to pray that we are kept from evil and kept us from being tempted. And that will require us to do some work, some practical things in place to do some work. Um, I think I'm over my time, I think. Yeah, I'm going to. So, and I wasn't going to go here, but I feel like it may be necessary. Um, Just for young people, because I was young once (laughs) and saved. I was young and saved. And. you know, and I had a girlfriend who was not my wife, of um, 23 years, almost 24. Uh, so, we met in college, freshman, second semester of freshman year. Um, we started dating. Yeah. <laughs> and we got married in 98, so graduated. Yeah, yeah. So, there were things. So, when you're on the college campus, and I went to NC State, and there were, go wolf that, yeah, um, there, uh, as a young person being saved, there are lots of temptations. <laughs> there are lots of temptations. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and we had accountability partners and, 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 and we were prayerful. But there were practical things that me and my wife had to do to, to say, hey, we're, we're going to live a Christian life. We're going we're we're to not fall into pray that what everyone else is doing. And so that meant sometimes that I would have to, we would have to go above and beyond to not do certain things that may have been innocent. So, so one example um, is that, you know, when you're on a college campus, your, your days and nights are the same. Basically, you stay up to 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, no big deal. Um, that's not my life now. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, and so we were hanging out. I was in her room. Nothing, nothing going on. Praise God. <laughs> but I was leaving her room, going back to my dorm. And, um, yeah, someone was like, Oh, where are you? Com-? I saw a friend. It's college campus. So, Yo, you're not, you're not the only one out at one or two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, you're bound to run into somebody. And somebody said, Oh, what are you doing? I said, Oh, I'm leaving teacher's room. What have y'all been doing? Oh, nothing. Sure. Yeah. Right. I bet you have been doing something. Nothing. I was doing nothing. No, I'm going back to my dorm. And so, in that moment, I said, I cannot be out late at my wife, my, my girlfriend's dorm, because I didn't want it to be, appear that I was doing something wrong, even though this friend, it was a friend, it's assumed that I was doing something wrong, and it's a true assumption, I mean, you can assume, you're coming out at 2 o'clock in the morning, hey, you might be doing something wrong, because um, I would tell my daughter and son that as well, if you're doing this, if it can't be done at 9 o'clock, why, why do I have to be done at 2 o'clock? <laughs> So it's come full circle now. My son is a sophomore in college. And so, yeah. uh, But yeah. And so uh, this just to say, we have to be strategic about what we put in place to keep to be kept. We can't, you know, Holy Spirit, keep me. And we do all the crazy and wild things and expect him to, you know, hey, keep me from falling, and we're right here on the edge. We're saying, Holy Spirit, keep me from falling. He said, if you would come back here, you wouldn't have to worry about that, right? But this is how we're living, right here on the edge. I'm going to go as close as I can, then and say, God, keep me, keep me from falling. Isn't that how we do? Isn't that how we do? Especially at 19 and 20, keep me from falling right here. When he's saying, well, I can keep you right here as well. Don't go to the edge. Uh, Let's be strategic uh, about uh, put some things in place, some barriers in place. Put some things in place that will keep you. And whatever it is, it may not be, girlfriend, it may be other things that may be tempting you. Whether you're spending your money, put some things in place. Whether you're not studying like you should, put some things in place to make you do what you're supposed to be doing. Help us, Lord, <laughs> and He will help you if you're willing to be helped. God knows He's willing. He is. He will help you. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia, at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. dot com. Contact us by email: cornerstone com at comcast.net. Or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.